Hello and welcome to Watermark's Church Leadership Podcast, a conversation with church leaders for church leaders. I'm your host, Adam Tarno, joined as always by my co-host, John McGee. John, why don't you let the audience know what we have in store today? Yeah, Adam. So we just finished up recording uh, an episode with Todd Wagner, and so he just kind of stopped in uh, unannounced. And it, Quite literally. And, uh, literally, yes. <laughs> and uh, just gave us some really great wisdom. It was we're, awesome. We're talking about um, how to stay motivated, how to, you know, how to like stay in the game for a really, really long time. We were talking to pastors, but a lot of this would apply to really anything you're doing. But uh, I would take... Take a pen out because there's some lines in here that are incredibly tweetable and uh, even more importantly, helpful, I yeah. think. Um, and so uh, enjoy enjoy this episode. All right, Todd, welcome back to the podcast studio. It's been a while. Hey, hey, hey. Love having you back in here. All right, John. I tell that this is truth. Yeah. I wasn't invited. <laughs> I invited true. myself always. on this one. Oh, but the truth is you're always invited. I know you said that, and I just we still, right? I said I mean, that always. Your that wife is... still wants to know, hear you say I love you, even though you've always loved her. <laughs> We're, you are on the calendar officially <laughs> I, in a I couple know, I saw days, that. And, but you're always invited. But here's what happened today. Adam and I were working together on something else, Yep. and I, I invited him to go to lunch with me, and he goes, well, hey, I'm actually getting ready to go do a couple of podcasts. And I panicked, thinking, oh, is this the podcast that are coming up that I'm doing? And he goes, no, I'm, I'm doing these two today. And I go, oh, man, can I can I do that one with you all? And yes. so I was motivated to talk about how to stay motivated. There you go. That's it. So, John, set this up. You have kind of a funny story. Yeah. Uh, somebody called you old at our last Church Leaders Conference. Without so, calling me old. Yeah, yeah that's tell, exactly what tell happened. Tell everybody so the story. At that... the end of a Church Leaders Conference, there was a guy that I just had multiple conversations with. And um, he, he said, you know, he, he emailed me afterwards and just said, hey, John, you know... Um, he goes, how do you continue to keep going? How do you stay motivated uh, and not discouraged being as old as you are? I think was the, uh, was the phrase. Yes. Because I'm a young man. But being as old as you are, how have you continued to keep going? Um, so he, he called me old, yeah. uh, politely, I think. Yeah. Um, and so we kind of dialogued uh, a little bit. So Todd, being as old as you are. I am old. <laughs> uh, I, man, I am glad you're in here because I would love to know um, how you would answer that. And maybe you can just kind of kick off the conversation. So, uh, Well, let's put in context, John, how long have you been in ministry? Yeah. So we're we're getting really close to 30 years. Okay. Uh, and Todd? Uh, I would say really since, I mean, I got seriously walking with Christ on my own, so college. Okay. Uh, so how is that 30 years? 40, yeah, yeah, 35? 40, yeah, yeah, 35 40, years. Okay. Yeah, 40, so about yeah. 65 years of ministry, of full-time vocational ministry uh, uh, for you guys combined. So how have you stayed motivated yeah. throughout that process? So yeah. John, what was... Not discouraged and those kind of things. What, yeah. was, your, what was your answer? <laughs> in, in a bullet point, well, I looked for... I, my, my, my first uh, statement was, is Todd close? He's not. So then, <laughs> then uh, I started to answer. So I, I don't know. The first, the first thing out of my mouth, uh, truthfully, was... Uh, hey, you, you need to expect it to be hard. Yeah, that was the first thing I said, and I think when we expect it not to be hard is when we're going to have trouble staying motivated or uh, engaged and, and want to quit. And um, you know, I, uh, Moses, Paul, Elijah—they didn't have Instagram accounts, you right. know, and so we couldn't follow them. And um, you know, I, I, but they wouldn't have tweeted some of the things that uh, that we see, you know. Uh, just preached this message, killed it. Everybody loved it. Hashtag pastor, hashtag leader, you know, hashtag great day, right? But right. that's what everyone else does. And so somehow we can believe that that 
what we're doing, uh, if it's hard, um, we're doing the wrong thing or we're not the right person. I just don't think that's the case. I think anything, anything worth doing uh, is hard. And anybody that's accomplished anything has done something uh, really, really difficult. So uh, Todd, thoughts on that? Or what would have been the first thing out of your mouth if you were there? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, and I, I was a little insecure about this when I said, hey, I'd love to come talk about that because I, by and large, would say mm-hmm. that I've pretty much always been motivated. Yeah. I mean, I, I do. I wake up every day with a sense of, man, what a privilege. I, a, I never thought I'd do this. I never yeah. wanted, aspired to do this. But when the Lord allowed me to do this, and we'll talk about what this is, because when you talk about ministry, I think that might be why some people are discouraged, because what they're calling ministry is maybe not what I feel like I've been doing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay? But, um, you know, I, I, I would tell you guys, I've never really had a hard time being motivated. And I don't want to act like it's an irrelevant question and only the weak ask it. <clears throat> But I can share with you my experience, yeah. and we were, we were laughing actually before we turned this on, right? Because <laughs> you know, John, you were saying, "All right, well, you're a unicorn a bit," or uh, we could just sit there and go, "Okay, if <laughs> talk you're not, to Adam and I, yeah, <laughs> yeah." If you're not like Todd, then we can say this. And I don't want to, I don't want to act like that. But at the same time, I really want to say, I mean, maybe you guys could discourage me and demotivate me, and then I can tell you how I dealt with it. <laughs> Adam, go ahead and quit right now. Yeah, quit. <laughs> and that, has, that. that would discourage me. Yeah. So I, but I do, I do want to say this. I, I, this is the way I think about it. I've never thought about ministry as doing church because the idea so discouraged me. Hmm. Okay. And so doing church to me was to put together a weekly meeting every week that was better than the other weekly meetings that were close by. So people would choose my weekly meeting and I could be their pastor. Mm -hmm. That would demotivate me. Hmm. And I think I would immediately be measuring the wrong things, be motivated by the wrong things and doing things in the wrong power and motivation, mm-hmm. and I would very quickly get discouraged. I would look at what other people are experiencing, and it would probably demotivate me because I go, I'm not as talented as they are, therefore I'm not recruiting as well as they are, therefore it's not as well attended as mine is, therefore I'm not going to be platformed or podcasted like they are. And that will demotivate you. Yeah, I, I'll be honest, it's just never been the way I've thought. I've always thought of it like this. If I could have been alive anytime, right? We all play these games where it's like, if you could live at any moment in history, where would you live? And and so what do we always say in our circles? And you can't choose the time of Christ. Right. Okay? And so <laughs> all I would just say is, well, okay, before you said that, I would thought, man, it'd been amazing to run with Jesus. And every day, watch him confront Pharisees and, and, and power and deal with the oppression of Rome and deal with the confusion of people and to watch him uh, reverse the effects of the fall, watch him teach with authority and power, watch him love, watch him be irresistibly, um, you know, uh, draw people to him irresistibly. And I mean, it'd be like, and I always say this, it'd be like every night you'd sit around the campfire when he finally went to bed and you'd go, man, did you see that today? And like, you know, my heart would be racing, our stories would be firing left and right. And then we'd say, let's go to bed so we can wake up and be with Jesus again. Mm -hmm. And so... Hmm. What I would say is if I think you're experiencing that, if, if you think of living missionally, because the truth is I don't have to go back to when Jesus was alive. He is alive. That's what the Bible says, yeah. right? I mean, that's kind of our hope, isn't it? He's risen. And because he's Indeed. risen, he said, it's better for you that I go away. Why? Mm-hmm. Because the Spirit will come to you. And because I can, the power that has enabled me by the calling of God and, and by who I was in the incarnation, for the glory of God, I'm going to give you that opportunity. And these works that I've done, even greater works than these you will do. And so I will just tell you that I don't think he had in mind uh, order of service, um, pastoral visits, and uh, quote unquote elder board meetings, which bore you to death. Hmm. So I don't have an elder board. I've got 
co-pastors, elder team that lead with me. Elder pastor, same word, right? Go see the earlier podcast on eldership. But I've got guys that I love that I do ministry with, and we see God working in us and through us, reversing the effects of the fall, in effect, raising people from the death of not knowing God, uh, blind people who could not see the truth of who God is seeing, folks who could not walk in righteousness, walking in righteousness. And I'm I'm not just... um, you know, allegorizing or, or making a metaphor from the text, I really think that's exactly what Jesus yeah. had in mind in John chapter 14, verse 12. And um, and so he's letting us experience the reversing of the fall, and he is allowing us to um, bringing down, bring down fortresses, and the gates of hell are not standing, all right, against us. I mean, so many people think of what the job of the ministry is to not let hell encroach upon your life. No, that's not ministry. Ministry is you move towards hell, and the fortresses and the blindnesses that Jesus, um, what that, that the Satan um, has and controls people with, you, as you walk with God and as you minister as he would have you minister, God lets you, you know, storm the gates of hell. Right. And people come out, and their life changed, and then the army builds, and then they've got gifts. And you watch... Other walls that you're not even attacking, other people that came to Christ through you attacking, and it's just like unbelievable. And the campfire stories every night make your heart race, and you wake up the next day and go, let's see what God does again. It's mm. good. That's kept me motivated. I mean, it, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, really... I like what you're saying, because it, it's it's what we talk about a lot here when somebody comes up to you and says, well, are you a Calvinist? And you go, well, first, let's define what this is or what Calvinism is before I say yes or no. And so with this question, you're saying if this young man would have come to you... You would go, well, first, let me ask you a question back. How are you defining this? Yes. What What is this that's that you true. want to know how to stay involved in? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly right, that people are giving themselves to um, something they think they're supposed to be, yeah. uh, giving themselves to, but it's not the thing that Jesus called us to. And so I think that's what Todd's saying. Hey, just first off, make sure your ladder is you know, up against the, the right tree, yeah. you know, the right wall. And, and what that. I like about your answer, though, John, is so you got somebody who's like my story that came out of the out of the corporate world into the church world. So when I was an accountant, it was easy to sit there and dream and uh, idealize what life in full-time vocational ministry was going to be like. And it was everything was up and to the right. Everybody was every meeting was happy. People were happy that you showed up. Every time you spoke, people were like, "Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Where did that come from?" you know. Yeah. It was basically the complete opposite of being an auditor. And uh, and so <laughs> I I come into the to full time vocational ministry with not not intentionally these rose colored glasses, but just thinking this is going to be so much better than what I came from. Mm-hmm. And so that also is an experience for a lot of people that enter into this game is uh, for right reasons they just expect it to be easy or better than what they came out of. And I and I like what you're saying that. There are going to be really, really hard times yeah. at, at times, and uh, there may be some doubt. There may be some discouragement. And so I think what you're saying in this first one is to expect that and don't freak out if that does happen. So if you don't wake up every day super motivated like Todd, it doesn't mean something's wrong. Yeah. Don't don't freak out over that. Reassess maybe where your expectations got off and uh, and just expect this, yeah, expect yeah. this to happen. I, I would also say I think it's important that you look at those things that discourage you and realize that hey, this is not yours to solve. That's right. Okay, I think you'll get demotivated if you go, how in the world am I going to be God's provision in this circumstance? And the answer is, you probably aren't, but you can be God's man, yep. God's woman. Yep. Okay, and so what What I, I have always said, I mean, you guys, I think you guys have heard me say this, I would rather be leading two million people out of you know Egypt 
with the most powerful army on earth storming down against me up against a sea that I led them to because I thought that's what God wanted me to do, then I would be a king sitting in a palace uh, balcony in the spring, not at war. Mm -hmm. Because I know what I'll do when I've got idle hands and the world is all as it should be and I think I'm the king of it. I'm going to do exactly what David did. I'm going to let my heart wander because that's not satisfying. But when you are sitting there and you go, I think I'm doing what God wants me to do and I'm where God wants me to be and this looks like a mess... I'm about to see God show up. And that is motivating. Mm -hmm. I think so many, one of the reasons so many guys get into, frankly, um, either doctrinal peculiarities or, or, or even um, chaotic interpretations of scripture that are extreme is because they don't see the power of God at work very often. And if you put yourself in a position where you go, God, you're either going to show up, not because you're irresponsible, not because you're on the top of the, right. the temple about to throw yourself off. <clears throat> if you just live in the course of everyday life and want to engage people, love people, watch God powerfully move in their life, you realize very quickly, I got nothing. Mm. And so, Jesus, if you aren't alive and you don't go to work, then nothing's going to happen. But I believe that you still want to do something today to, to make yourself more famous, to extend your glory in the earth, to bring people out of darkness into your marvelous light. And if you're willing, why not use me? That's motivating that God would use somebody like me to walk with him and use the gifts he gave me to do something there's no way I could do. Yeah. Okay? And so I, I think you should expect there to be hard times. Um, but just remember, that's when God shows up, yeah, that's good. right? So we, we, one of the phrases we say right here all the time is if dependence is a, the goal, then weakness is an advantage. Yeah. And so what I would just say is look at your discouragement and your hard times as an opportunity to watch your God show off yeah. and show up. And uh, it may not be the way you want, but part of it might be just sustaining you in the midst of folks saying, ah, this isn't working, and if you stay about his work, it's working. And I think what demotivates us is when we define success wrong. And so if you realize that faithfulness is success, you'll stay motivated. Absolutely. And if you remember that God is going to reward you okay, for uh, what you've done by faith and not what people can see with their eyes, you're going to stay motivated to be faithful. Okay? So my job is to sow the seed and to go to sleep, and while I'm asleep... The seed grows, yeah. and as it says in Mark four, you know the farmer doesn't really know; he just knows he sowed the seed he was supposed to sow, and mm -hmm. he believes there's life in the seed, and so there's life in ministering by the power of the Spirit, the Word of God. Love it, Todd. A few uh, a few moments ago, when you were talking about just being motivated, being engaged, you mentioned people. You know, it's so yeah. one of your phrases. A lot of times, you just want to do the Lord's work or the Lord's bidding with people that you love. Yes, and uh, and I. You know, I don't know about you guys, but I, when I run into people who are discouraged, <clears throat> a lot of time when you kind of poke around there and you ask some questions, really they're contemplating quitting, not the ministry, not the call. They're contemplating quitting their boss or generally their team. And there's conflict there and they've not invested in relationships. And so that that's why they're pulling back and that's yeah. why they're not on the balls of their feet. So Ted, that's, that's something that's always marked your ministry. It's something that's a high value to you. So how do you think about that in terms of just, you know, making this a, you know, an enjoyable experience, something you want, you've wanted to give your life to here uh, because of people. How do you think about that as a leader? Okay. So I'm a child of uh, the Monty Python era. And so uh, <laughs> I'm going to just confess something that's completely theologically uh, heretical and I'm sure Jesus never did it. But uh, I, I, I mean, just walk that back a little bit and just say one of my favorite pictures of Jesus is uh, a picture of Jesus laughing. And um, I keep that in my office. And it's just, 
the Jesus you never really see. Right. Right? And I just got to believe that I know he was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, okay, had no comely appearance, and we took no regard of him. But I got to believe that sometimes he's walking down the path with these guys and, you know, walking from Nazareth to Capernaum or whatever it might be, and, and he's just a guy. And that, that, you know, every now he turns Peter into a newt just to kind of keep the guys rallying. That's the heretical part. I'm, I'm, sure, he, I'm sure he never did it, right? That's the Monty Python that they always played with, newt. with newt. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Turn you into a newt. And so, you know, I, I kind of think, okay, he probably never did that. But I, I wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't shock me if Jesus just, um, well, I know he loved people. Okay, and so I I do. I mean, the little phrase, my life kind of mission statement, and I think I maybe heard somebody say this a long time ago, and I just acted like I thought of it myself. I liked it so much, but to do God's bidding with people I love. Now, listen, we're called to love everybody, including our enemies. Right. Okay. Yeah. I was on the Sermon on the Mount, but what I really mean is that I don't think you know you have to marry the ugliest, most vile, foul, <laughs> bitter woman in the world just to show the love of Christ for his church. Right. And I also don't think I got to do ministry with people that are nothing like me just so I can show the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Now I need to get along with everybody and, um, you know, uh, to a Jew be a Jew and, you know, to the legalist be a little bit more obedient to the law. Um, but by and large, I, I mean, I want to go, hey, look, there, there, you know, do we basically have a sense that this is what Jesus wants us to do? That it's okay to, um, you know, as we yoke together, let's mm-hmm. make sure that we, we first of all understand God's call and our mission, but also that we we kind of enjoy uh, some of the same things. Okay, I mean, whether it's, um, I, I'll say this way, John. I, when we look to hire people, we always have three things. We look for we look for competency. Okay, and, and and I wouldn't put any of these in order right away. In fact, if you're going to start with character, yeah. right? Do they love God and love others? Do they walk with Him, and um, who they are when they're alone is alone who they are. So, who who are they really? You, you right. just get to know their character as best they can. Secondly, do they have competency? Can they do the job that you're asking them to do? Okay, because even if they're a great guy, but they can't do what you're asking them to do, then why ask him to do it? Right. And the third thing is, is chemistry, right? Is there a sense of, hey, look, I mean, you know, if you're, all you want to do is read when we're not working, then I'm like, I like books too, but do you want to at least talk about the book? Do you want to tell me what you're learning from the books? Like, no, I just want to read. Okay. I'm, I'm going to say, all right, well, I, I may not be the guy to partner with you. Right. Okay. But I love learning from guys that read. I mean, you know, John Cox, Joe Daly, you guys read books and you write summaries and you tell me what you're learning. And I love that. But it's it's not like um, you know if you're really into mime, I'm probably not your guy. <laughs> mime? Yeah, I don't know. You know, I mean, like if all you want to do is go, hey, let's just let's just. You know, uh, you know anyone that's into yeah, mime? Mar- Marcel, Marcel. Okay, there I, go okay. one. I think I can say I have not thought of a mime for months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right I, now, I, I but love I'm it. just you know I, that's just. I pulled this offside. Yeah. You were saying. Well, yeah. I'm just thinking. There's there's something. It's okay. And honestly. Okay, even in the way that we name elders here at Watermark, we just go, hey, they've got to, because we're going to share life together. We can love anybody, but that doesn't mean you got to say, I'm going to run with you. Right. Okay. I'm going to support you, encourage you, unleash you. But when we're naming guys to the team, there has to be a certain chemistry. I'm a big believer, okay, that chemistry can be talent. Uh, And, and, you know, well, Drucker's famous statement, right, is that culture... Eat strategy for breakfast, right? Right. And and we 
the culture here is that we work hard, we're faithful, but we play and we laugh and we, you know, we we kind of compete. We do this crazy thing that you know folks have heard about, you know, called Farkle, which is irrelevant except what it creates with the staff. And if someone's like, "Hey, I just don't want to do that, man. I want to be about this all the time," they're probably not going to succeed here. And so, one of the ways I've stayed motivated is I, I do partner with people that um, there's some chemistry with. Okay. I, now, again, I want to make it really clear. You can love anybody, yep. right. but you don't show your spirituality by saying, who's the most unlike person I know, and I'm going to marry myself to them. And I think you're just giving people permission to, uh, to take that into account and not feel bad if there is a lack of chemistry, because as you guys are saying, that that helps play into the motivation. It's a source of oxygen. You're thinking about the example of when you go through the safety demonstration on an airplane and they're always saying, put the oxygen mask on yourself first, mm. then help others, which feels selfish at first. But then you realize, well, if I don't, if I don't have my source of oxygen secured, I'm going to be worthless to other people. And so what I'm hearing you guys say is those around you can be a source of oxygen, if you will. And that's, that helps keep you in the game and keep you motivated on this long, hard trek yeah. of being a ministry. Yeah. And t- you know, Todd, you're speaking from the perspective of a senior leader, uh, mm-hmm. because a hire is going to come across your desk and you can, you know, you can, you're Caesar in that moment, you can thumbs up or thumbs down them. And so you've got control and some people just have, they're in a different season who are listening to this and they're on teams that they're not the people they would choose. And if they were making the hires, they wouldn't hire uh, those folks, but there they are. And so I would just, you know, tell that person, boy, just do what you can and and um, and invest in those relationships. Yeah. And it's really amazing how, you know, loving actions follow loving feelings. And so if you would just invest, uh, take interest in before you start a meeting, just real quick, hey, how was that thing? How was your weekend? Tell us about your kids. What are you excited about? You got summer vacation. Um, you know, just in, engage uh, with them even outside. Uh, There's you know. no question. Let me just tell you something. What you need to be is a, a person that's looking to go, I'm going to build, like, let's go back to my example of a guy who reads books or, or mimes, which is, you know, a little crazy. <laughs> my, 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 my point is, is like, hey, let's let's make each other better, yeah. right? And and I'm going to, we're working together. Let's make the most of this. I'm going to learn you. This is not like you just have to learn me and like right, what I want on right. top of my pizza. I mean, I, I just really want to say, hey, I want to, I want to be a blessing as a friend. And I believe if Jesus is in you, you're going to want to be a blessing in my life. And so, you know, we say this in marriage all the time. Most folks, um, you know, leave your mother and father and cleave to your wife and the two shall become one flesh. We kind of say tongue in cheek that most folks fight over the first, you know, the first five years of which flesh they're going to become. Right. And I'm just saying, that's not the six, that's not the way you build chemistry. Okay. And so for me, what I really want, I don't really care if you're a mime or read books. I just want to know, do you really want to run with Jesus? Because I, I want to insert this here. One of the lines that I want to make sure and say is, you know, um, I, I think, you know, I said something like this and Spurgeon, I, I read later, said, said it better, but uh, I'm not sure if this is his quote or my perversion of it, but it's the idea that, that you know, um, someone who doesn't want to know more of God makes me doubt if they know him at all. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what I would just say is, man, if, if, if you're in ministry, and you're watching God radically change people's lives and be a part of, uh, you know, just what's happening uh, in others' lives, and it doesn't make you want more of that, I don't think you know what's happening. Mm. So part of what keeps me motivated is I'm like, I think I really know what I'm involved in. And, and, I, and I'll insert this right here about one of the things that keeps me motivated. I am convinced... In fact, a book I know I, I want to write is called The First Prayer I'll Have in Heaven. Mm. And uh, it won't be a long book, but I, I, the very first thing I'm going to ask God when I'm in heaven, when I really see, when I know as I'm fully known, is I'm, I'm going to just 
when I see him, I'm going to say, oh, will you give me five minutes, five hours on earth where I can go and be surrendered to you, abide with you, hmm. and be used of you to tell people about the wonders of who you are. I, I really believe if God didn't just overwhelm me with his love, I would beg him for the privilege of doing what I'm doing right now. In other words, I really believe if I really knew what was going on in the heavenlies, that I am living in the moment that is my highest request on earth. Mm. Because is there anything, you know, I mean, that's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, right? We are his ambassadors. As if God himself was pleading, okay, with others through us to be reconciled to God, that's the only thing that matters. And so when I get my arms around who I am by grace Mm -hmm. and what I'm doing by purpose, if that doesn't motivate you, I don't think you know what ministry is, all right? And and so I really believe I am living in the moment that I will long for when I really know the glory of my king. Huh. But what a yeah, that's a really anchoring thought. When you when you get to heaven, you're going to you're going to wish for a couple more laps around the track. You that's know, right. do it uh, loving uh, loving God, loving others, leading uh, well and you you're you're in that moment now. You have the thing that you wish you would have once you get to heaven and Because uh, what am I not going to do? Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not going to when I'm in heaven go, "Oh, can I, can I just can I would you send me back to earth and let me have a a mai tai on a beach in Hawaii?" Yeah. Because, right? Because right. It's not, that's not right. going to be the thing I long for. Yeah. Right? He's going to say, man, Todd, go down there and reconcile with your brothers. Go down there and be a minister of grace because there's no grace there because there's nothing but grace there. So I'm not going to want, you know, the best thing on earth, Psalm 73, right? All things become shadows in the light of you. I'm not going to ask him for a shadow. Hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. and it's like when uh, you know when I when I see my wife after a trip, like I I I got a picture on my phone. It's a good picture of Alex, and when I get home, I see her. I don't go, hey, can I just take a look at that picture again? Mm-hmm. Right? I'm gonna, I want the I want her. Right. And so um, I, I really do. I mean, I, that motivates me good. because good. it's easy for me to think, man, this is a beating. And let's be honest, okay, we are at war. So I'm not saying war war is hell. And so there's a piece of this mm-hmm. that I'm not saying it's all cupcakes and, and, and cherries here, but what I'm saying is it is the only thing that matters. And I even stay motivated because like I've got, we have a lot of friends in the, in the SEAL and special ops community that are around Watermark. And I sometimes just go, man, guys, I feel like I missed out. And I've had a number of them tell me, Todd, no, we feel like you invited us in. Mm-hmm. I go, what do, what do you mean? They go, no, listen, what we're doing now as followers of Christ and, and the battles that we're winning and the terror that we're really dealing with and the evil we're really suppressing and the, and the captives we're really setting free, man, that, this, is, this is more exhilarating, more challenging than even our SEAL training and SEAL missions, mm. right? Because we realize what's at stake right here. And they just go, don't you ever wish you could do what we had done. We love, and, and it's one of the, frankly one of the ways the guys are just keeping their hearts racing because so many guys get off that field and they're driving their daughter to, you know, to school and they're like, man, what am I doing? Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. But if they're actively engaging with their daughter and keeping her from being taken captive by culture and loving uh, the parents of her daughter's friends and ministering in their community, they realize what they're doing and they say it's awesome. So look, man, no soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he might please the one that enlisted him as a soldier. So I'm telling you, it's war. Yeah. 
But it is what a privilege. It's good. It's good. I think one. So one thought, you know, wherever you are, uh, you can you can uh, you can take this is that most leaders have something that they kind of rehearse or this this thought that anchors them, that motivates them, that keeps them going. So Todd's, you know, one of Todd's there is uh, is thinking about what he's going to wish for when he gets to heaven, which yeah. is a great way to think about it. Uh, I tend to think about generally the the short term nature of God's favor. You know, you you guys are tired of hearing me say that. Hey, this is this may be a season we d- we don't know, uh, but God's favor is kind of on this place. So let's make the most of it. You know, the fish are they're out there, they're schooling, they're jumping in the boat. Like let's let's don't take uh, extra naps. Uh, let's you know really really uh, capitalize on this season because we would hate it if uh, if this ever wasn't the case and we hadn't made the most of today. You yeah. Know? And so I think most leaders have kind of like an inner, and I don't, I'll just use the word game, um, but some things they, they do, they rehearse, they think through, uh, just to kind of keep them on the balls of their feet. So yeah, in the baseball world, they call those swing thoughts. Like, yeah. what are you thinking about? Or in the golf community, what are you, what are you thinking yeah. when you're doing what you do? And uh, and some of those anchoring thoughts are, are great. So, all right, right. So we've talked about like defining what this is, uh, aligning expectations and expecting things to be hard, reconciling chemistry, the importance of relationships. So obviously self-leadership plays a part in this. It's a big buzzword out there in all leadership communities right now. So, uh, And we've done a whole podcast on self-leadership, but just for you guys personally, how do you think about just some of the daily disciplines when uh, when nobody's looking, the little things that you do to take care of yourself, to make sure that your soul is, is healthy and your body's healthy so that you can... Uh, stay energized and moving forward. That's good. Uh, a couple things come to mind. Only one, just physically, you know, for me, like uh, literally when I lace up my running shoes or go to the gym, part of my thought process is uh, this is going to help me do this longer. Yeah. And uh, I want to not just be a grandfather, but I want to play with my kids. Mm. And I don't want to just uh, have an email address at a, at a, at a church. Uh, I want to be contributing like for a really, really long time. And so uh, physically is a it's a really important thing uh, to me, um, just kind of emotionally, just the the emotional inner game, probably in a way that Todd doesn't. Like there's sometimes I'll just I'll just get tired and discouraged, and so I've got to, I've learned how to kind of handle that. So uh, I was telling this young man, I was like, guaranteed, like somewhere in the next three days after the church leaders conference, like the the thought will zip across my mind, like, are you really doing the right thing? Like, right. do you really? Are, are you good at this or is this fun? Like, are you sure? And and I've just learned to go, that, all that is is fatigue. And so I just don't even entertain it. Yeah. And, and I know that a few days from now, I will be on the balls of my feet going, this is amazing. But I used to, what used, I would comp- contemplate that, oh my goodness, maybe I'm not doing the right thing. And it's, it, all it is, is just fatigue and a kind of a, um, you know, a zeroing out of the emotional tank. So that would be another one. Another one too, I think is, uh, this is it's a broader than just self leadership, but leading leading your uh, family and making sure they are excited about what you're doing. And so here's mm-hmm. here's what I mean by that. I've seen some guys they'll they'll go home and they will talk poorly about uh, you know their coworkers or the elders <clears throat> or what whatever or the members or the member yeah, yeah right like yeah that's exactly right these these people qu- keep calling me and they yeah. will stop calling me right and so then then what happens is the family kind of turns. Uh, you know, on, in this case, the church. And they go, why would you, why would you do that? Why are you investing there? Right. Rather than, I can't believe you get to work, work there, you know? Right. And so Adam, like today I invited 
uh, my kids just to sit in the the podcast studio. They couldn't, but they thought that would be amazing yeah. uh, to be here. You know, are you with Adam? Are you serious? You know, <laughs> uh, you know, and they don't know. I mean, we've had conflict before, but I think one of the things that will happen is I've just seen this: is guys will go home or gals will go home, and they'll talk through some conflict they're having in the moment, and that kind of spins up the whole the whole family unit, and they don't go back to say, "Oh yeah, you know, two days later." And Adam and I resolved it. Yeah. We're so good. Adam is a brother, and they miss that. And so now, rather than an ally, they've got. Uh, these people that are detracting and really saying, I'm not sure you're doing the right thing. And so that's actually part of, I think, self-leadership is just leading my family uh, and Pam. Like, Pam loves this place, you know? Yeah. And and there's some times I need to say, hey, can we just talk through this, pray for me, and I will come back and close the loop because it, it always ends up well. Um, but that that's part of um, leadership, I think, as well. So go ahead. Yeah. Well, I mean, John, the thing you said there at the very end is make sure we're doing the right thing. I want to just, I want to take it back to that. I just make sure I'm doing the right thing. First of all, um, you know, I try and set my priorities by saying, okay, I, I've got to do what only I can do first. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so this is, let me say this, I'm the only person in the history of the world. I mean, not like this generation. I'm the only person with this DNA in the history of eternity that is Todd Wagner, that God, the living God wants to have an intimate personal relationship with. And so I, I better do well at that. Mm-hmm. Because that's the one thing that he says he delights in me. You know, uh, that's the one thing he says he delights in is me, which is so hard for me, right? Because I can hardly stand myself sometimes, right? I mean, I don't like, gosh, that was not your best moment. But I, I, but I, but I mean, the Lord wants me, like I want my sons to love me and to be with me and to enjoy me. And so I've got to make sure I do that really, really well. And I find out when I'm doing that really, really well, that the conversations I'm having with the Father and the time I'm having His Word are almost always things that are relevant to a conversation He puts me in that day. Yeah, uh, I'm the only guy on earth that can be a faithful, right now, I'm the only guy on earth that can be a loving husband to Alex Wagner. The only guy. So I better do that well. I'm the only biological father for my six kids. I've got to do that well. Lots of guys can serve in the role that I have here at Watermark. Right now, I, I would say, though, I am that guy. So when I've done all those other things that only I can do, I need to do the thing that right now I'm the only guy in the role at Watermark to do in my role. Mm-hmm. Okay? And I need to do my role. And that means part of my job is to make sure that other people are allowed to do what they're supposed to do in their job. Not 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 like, hey, wait till I'm done doing everything and you guys can do all the stuff I don't want to do or can get to later today. But the biggest part of my job, which really gets to one of the ways I also stay motivated, okay, uh, is to watch other people do really well in their job. That motivates me. So we all have a background um, in sports. And, and Adam, I know you you, you slow pitch softball pitcher, according <laughs> wow. to you and Adam Kegler. <laughs> that is true. You I, said I, that. I do. I throw myself under that bus. <laughs> You're a college pitcher. I was <laughs> one of the best pitchers the Sigma Chi ever had at Clemson. So, right. yeah. so, but anyway, I mean, you know, listen, we all love sports at some level in our life, but I will tell you the only thing that I have more joy in than competing on an athletic field and succeeding is coaching mm-hmm. my kids and watching my kids have success in that arena. And so one of the ways I've stayed motivated is to find people that are thriving, okay? And so um, this is a good place to stick this in. I always say that there's there's there, if three things are present, I can be motivated to stay where I'm at and do well the rest of my life. I don't need a title. 
Uh, I don't need more money. Okay. All, you know, those two things I guess are okay and nice, but they are number one. Am I using my gifts? In other words, do I feel like I am being deployed where God has created me to be deployed? Am I getting to do what I think I'm supposed to do? Which, you know, some of that we can, we can share our faith and be faithful and serve anywhere. But what I'm saying is, are my gifts, is there room for my gifts? And then secondly, it's not just me who's thinking I'm using my gifts. I'm watching them be affirmed, yep. mm. okay, with people around me kind of going, Todd, we, we like when you use your gifts in that way. It, 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 uh, it edifies all of us. It builds us all up. It puts wind at all of our backs, okay? If I'm, if I'm sensing that I'm being faithful, other people are being built up the way the Spirit of God wants them to be if you use your gifts. And the third thing is, is I'm getting better, that, that my gifts are strengthened and being developed so that more of the second of those three things can happen. And so if one of those three things are happening, I am motivated to keep doing what I'm doing. I think a lot of times guys might be demotivated because they go, I think I'm outside of my gift mix, which honestly is one of the things that's that's our job as leaders. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you transition people, you go, you don't look like you're really motivated in your job, or maybe you're really motivated, but you're not operating in your giftedness. Right. And so it's a loving thing to do to move them Absolutely. to a better place because God designed them. I mean, they're they design them for something, and if it's not happening there, then our job is to move them to a place where they can see their gifts being used and and feel the pleasure of God, you know, uh, and and then to be about it and and to be developed in those gifts. So um, for me, those things keep me motivated, and I do. I read people all the time. Okay, I think it's a job of a leader, but I think it's a job of a human to look around and going, instead of complaining about the room you're in, going like, am I doing what I'm supposed to do in this room? Hmm. Right? Not just a guy who complains, not, not just a thermos, what is it? Not thermostat. A, uh, yeah. with you are a thermostat. Th- yeah, thermometer would reflect yeah, yeah. the, the temperature. I, I don't just get in the room, but that room was a dud. I just kind of go, okay, Lord, you made me in this room. What can I do right now to make to love other people? If, if the more discouraged and more oppressed and the more awkward the room is, the more that I believe God wants somebody who's an expression of who he is in that room. Yeah. And so go to work. That's motivating that, hey, this problem is an opportunity for God to show up in me. And so that motivates me. I just can't run into something that I'm not like, okay, now listen, what, I'll tell you what, what is hard. The hardest thing for me is when you've done the right thing and the sea hadn't split yet and all of Israel is saying, good job, Moses, right? Way to read the compass. You take an orienteering you know, class every now and then, this is not the direction to go. And uh, there's that moment where you're waiting for God to split the sea that you're kind of like, going, okay, Lord. But, but that's kind of exciting in and of itself because frankly, they're going to kill you. <laughs> okay, and then you're going to go to glory, and then you're going to pray that you can be back. Uh, uh, or there is no podcast. This is a like Seinfeld episode. It's all coming. It comes back right together. Now. I love it. But I, I mean, you know, or, or you're going to watch the sea split, and people are going to go Moses, and you're going to go Moses, Moses. I just got us here, and look what God did. Let's let's see what He's going to do on the other side. Yeah. And guess what happens? The other side. Now you got first you had too much water. Now you got no water, and so God brings water from a rock. I mean, it's just always. I don't care what situation you're in. It's going to be exciting if you know you're walking with yeah. the living God. Yeah. So that keeps me motivated. And then watching other people, all right, because Moses, one of the mistakes he made very you know, quickly on the other side was he was making all about Moses. And so some of you guys might be demotivated because you think it's all about you. It's never all about you. And Moses need to be admonished by Jethro and say, Moses, you're going to be exhausted and other people are going to be exasperated if you don't develop the gifts of others and affirm the gifts of others. And I think Moses figured this out, and I think that's why 
later they saw him as the most humble man on earth because he was just motivated to be more of who God wanted. And he, he knew that he was Moses, but he also knew he had nothing to do with being Moses. So what would you say to the, for both of you guys, to the young leader that's sitting there going, that's exactly it. That's why I'm not motivated right now yeah. because I'm not using my gifts every day. Mm. And uh, I've, they've maybe been in the game two, three years. What would you say to that person that is maybe sitting there and starting to fuel some entitlement to go, my boss doesn't recognize that I should be doing this right now. Uh, so h- how would you respond to that? Oh, gosh. I mean, that's a whole other podcast in of itself. Uh, a couple things. It, always, you just, you want to be faithful, no matter where you are, what what's in front of you, what's being asked. Like, there is a discipline in that that's going to set you up well for the rest of your life. Yeah. And um, so if you're Joseph and you're behind bars, you shine the bars. There you go. Right? And you can, you know, uh, this is not a, a prison and, um, you know, we're in a free country and you're, you can do uh, what you want to do by and large. You can go work somewhere else, but um, man, be super, super faithful and uh, and see what God does. And, uh, and I think as well, um, this is a broad category, but just take the long-term view. Yeah. And we are so conditioned to think in terms of, you know, the next, um, the next tweet, the next post, uh, the next news cycle. And we're, we don't see the long-term view when both our, our, um, our individual role or what God's doing. And when we take the long-term view, a lot of things change. <laughs> we were laughing uh, earlier, you know, Adam, that when I remember when I was a kid in elementary school, we had a school garden. And the plant we always planted was radishes. And why was that? <laughs> Not because people liked radishes, but <laughs> <No>. <laughs> because they were like in three to four weeks, they were done and you could eat them. You yes. know, there was no waiting around for a radish. And uh, we're not we're not uh, planting radishes. Uh, we're tending to redwoods. Yeah. You know, and we're dealing when you're dealing with people, um, spiritual growth is a long process. Uh, when you're thinking about your own development as a leader, it is a long process. God's at work. Um, in, in all cases, and you need to have that long-term view, and that will keep you from uh, wanting to hit the eject button or getting uh, Yeah, just the day you realize, okay, well, I didn't get to use my gifts today, I'm quitting, is no, we got to have a longer view here with all that. Ty, would yeah. you, what would you say to a young leader that's saying, I, I think that's it, and how, how, what, would you, what would you recommend they do? Yeah, it's kind of like when my kids say in school, right, this is stupid, I'll never use this, right? right? <laughs> and, and I'll just say to them, You well, too? Yeah, <laughs> I would just say, you know what you're going to use? Uh, humility, uh, performing what you're asked to perform, mm. uh, being excellent at everything you're supposed to be excellent at, and you cultivate that readiness to do well because what you're learning here is not something that you're going to use when you're 36. What you're learning here, and in terms of uh, a subject matter, right, right. what you're learning here is a discipline that whatever you do is going to serve you the rest of your life. There you go. Yeah. And so I, I would tell them that. Yeah. And then I would also just say, you know, I mean, part of it is like, hey, I think I can teach better than that guy, or I think I can lead the room better than that guy. I, I would just say, well, learn. Why do you think you can teach better? What are they not doing well? What would you have done? Okay. Uh, you didn't like the way he led? Well, what can you learn? In some way, he's going to be your teacher, right? So learn from his poor leadership and get better. Yeah. Be a student even of that which you think you can do better. And then I would just tell you is have courage. And if you're someplace where you feel like one of the reasons you're discouraged is not because you're not being fully deployed, but because you're not being led in the mission, okay, that's the most demotivating thing, mm-hmm. is when you're in, in, in around people who say 
that they're doing what God wants them to do, and you know you're not doing what God Yeah, they're playing church, to your yes. first point. And yes. you're just stuck under this yeah. group that's playing church. And, and, then and what do you do? Then you, you get out. Yes. Okay, you get out. You you get to watch your God go to work. Like, well, geez, I don't know if I can go start a church and make you know, the X thousand I'm making here and have insurance that I've got here and go, oh, okay. So that is demotivating that you would be willing to stay in a job you don't love, getting paid probably less than you think you could if you just went and work somewhere else, doing what you know you're not supposed to be doing. Well, no wonder you're not motivated. Yeah. Okay. So get what I would say is trust your God and and be humble and and tell the leaders, hey guys, I, I feel like we're off mission here and this is why. And I believe the Lord would have us do this. Do I have permission? And what I, I would do is ask them like Daniel did, under a leader that didn't want to do what Daniel wanted him to do, Daniel sought permission, and he just said, hey, can I, king, will you give me permission to eat vegetables and not what the king's food is? Can I do this with this group over here? And um, and I'm not going to be Absalom, who sits at the city gate and tells people I could do better if I was king. Yeah. I'm just going to ask for permission to maybe create a mission that is what God wants. Mm. But, but bottom line is, look, after you've done your work, your prophet's work, and polished your bars... This isn't Russia. I mean, you're free. Go. Do what you want to do and get after it, okay? Because maybe why you're demotivated is because the Lord wants you to be a little bit miserable and, you know, jump out of the rut you're in. Yeah. Okay? So, but don't be too quick to do that. Yeah. Because I promise you, you know, I, I, what I would say is you want a long obedience in the same direction. Learn humility and excellence. Learn how to lead up, right? And uh, communicate. And so at some point, we're going to do a podcast on what to do. I think, have we done a podcast on this? What to do if you're under a leader that you, you can't no, follow? No, we need to. But we've yeah, got, we'll you know, the Dan, yeah. So that would be a good one to do. Stay tuned for that when I invite yeah. myself to the next podcast. And, and what a gift, you know, and that's what, <laughs> such a gift that the story of Joseph is preserved for us, for young leaders. And just yeah, that reminder that God time. doesn't waste our time. Yeah. You know, he just doesn't waste our time. So whatever, you may not see how this puzzle's fitting together right now in that yeah. moment where you only get to use your gifts three days a week instead of five days a week. But but he's not wasting your time. Yeah, and I've got a, I, I thought of a great quote, Todd, um, one of your friends, and he was a prof of mine, uh, Howard Hendricks, I was in a class one time, and someone asked him something to the effect of like, who, who's been the most helpful uh, leadership you know, coach or teacher to you? And, and I mean, the whole class perked up, and he goes, uh, the most helpful leadership uh, coach is, uh, in, in situations, I think is what he said, has been being under really poor leaders. Mm. He said, I learned more about leadership from being under really poor leaders yeah. than any books or any great leaders that I've been around. And I, I took notes as a young man, I was respectful. Um, you know, I, I did what was asked and I took notes and I said, if I'm ever in a position where, uh, I'm going to lead, I think I know more like in this 3d kind of way, I know what it wants, uh, what it is going to look like when I get there. That's right. And, uh, and he, rather than chafing under it, he saw it as kind of God's provision, which is again, part of the inner game. Yeah. Uh, it's a great way to frame a situation like that up. All right. So as we wind this conversation down, John, I, I think uh, I, I've seen some notes that you put together when you answered this guy. And I, I like your last uh, your last comment, and I think it'd be a great one for us to end on, because there's probably somebody sitting there listening, maybe a young leader right now that's listening, going, great, I can't wait for somebody to come along and motivate me to stay in the game. And uh, and I like what you have to say about that. So how if somebody is sitting there going, great, well, I can't wait for my leader to motivate me. And it's their responsibility. What would you say? I would say you know, to the person who's asking, uh, you know, uh, the question. I would look them and I said, you know, whose responsibility this is? It's yours. Yeah, it is your responsibility. So whatever you have to do, 
whatever you have to think, uh, whoever you have to go talk to, it's your job to stay motivated and stay uh, on mission. And, um, and you know, candidly, like you're completely different than any of the three of us uh, sitting at this table. So everything that we said, it's, it's potential that, that none of it really applies to you. And it's your job to go figure out right. uh, what it would look like uh, to stay motivated. It's your job. And the second that you do that, now, now you have... Um, the ability to do something about it. You're not waiting on an outside force or a person. And um, that, that's how I would end every conversation. What are you going to do uh, to stay motivated to stay in the game? And what we know as people that, um, that we have the responsibility and the privilege of leading others. And what we know is that some of the, quote, easiest people to lead are those that are motivated and are positive hmm. and have a natural ener- energy so that you just think, I got to keep this person... I got to keep guardrails. That's it. Because they've got the energy and they've got the motivation. And those types of people usually get more responsibility, more privilege, more opportunity, uh, more coaching, more feedback. It's those that you have to try to motivate and keep busy that uh, that are can be a really significant leadership challenge. And somebody else who's motivated comes along and you're like, I'm going to go spend more time over there with that one. And That's so, great, Adam. I always say, you know, we say two things around here a lot. One of them is, man, is opportunity laying around all over the floor. Just pick it up. Yes. Okay. And then secondly is if you're motivated by self-gain and self-exaltation, you will never be motivated enough because that idol will not feed you long. Amen. Okay. And so one of the things to do is to look around at a room full of incompetency and poor leadership and go, okay. My job is to love them and serve them and make them better and let them know that God's grace is in their presence. So, I mean, what, I mean, what, I don't know how to be more motivated than that. Yeah. Now, if somebody, you know, just all you do every day is you do your job and you get cursed at by a wicked stepmother like Cinderella, you know, I just, I would, you know, just say, look, I mean, you know, I doubt anybody's listening to this podcast, you know, uh, in, in, while they're being humanly trafficked. But I mean, I know there are people that are like that. Yeah. And I just would tell you that um, to do all you can, and you may never break out of that little prison cell. I mean, somebody listening might be someday in a spot where they feel a victim and oppressed. And all I would just say to you is, if you are faithful in that cell and do everything you can, your motivation's got to be that long game, John, that you mentioned. And I just want to remind you that God is not so unkind as to forget the love you've shown towards his name and having ministered to and is still ministering to the saints and maybe to ministering to and loving your enemies, right? And so uh, what should motivate you is that there is hope, there is a heaven, there is a coming king, there is a God who will return quickly and his recompense will be with him to reward men according to what they have done. And so stay motivated by that day and not by the promise of a more glorious earth tomorrow. But um, what God typically does is he, when he, he sees people, I would just remind you that everything is a test and that the Lord, if you fail that test that you're in and you don't pass that opportunity before you to, to learn humility and faithfulness and faith, then God's going to put you back in that school again tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So be motivated to get through this tough season, okay? And listen, I mean, like I know, like my friend Johnny Erickson Todd, I think of her all the time. Her tough season's been 50-some-odd years in a mm-hmm. wheelchair, and she's not getting out of that wheelchair. Right. But she's gotten out of mindsets that have been as crippling to her as her cervical injury, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so, mm. um, good. you know, I, 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 and so just stay at it and know that the Lord sees you living by faith and your effort to please him. But, man, yoke yourself 
with other people who set their mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. Because if your motivation is to have a great earth, I guarantee you'll be discouraged. That's it. I don't, I don't know if we could close it any better. Todd, thank you so much for uh, inviting yourself into today's <laughs> podcast. That was thank really you. awesome. I think it provided a lot of motivation for a lot of people. And if you too want to invite yourself into our podcast, just come on, send come us on. an email. We'll we'll you can watch like John's kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what would they email you if they wanted to? Uh, CLP at watermark.org. Hey, we could do a, email. a contest, right? Where people can enter and if they win... They get to come and sit here like Garrett and Chris did through this yeah, entire podcast. That's right. You think people are motivated Studio to do that? Studio audience. He's nodding his head uh, yes. Just yeah, the surely. inbox is going to blow up. It's going to be very hard <laughs> to manage. Please alert IT. They need, <laughs> they need to know this is coming. That's right. It's on slot. All right. Well, if you have any questions or comments on today's episode or topics you'd like for us to consider for future episodes, please feel free to contact us via email. We can be reached at clp at watermark.org. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time.